Hey, Seth. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. So we are near the tail end of 2023. And by the time this goes out, it's going to be the thick of the holidays. How are you feeling about the fact that it's already the holiday season? It seems kind of crazy. I feel like we just did this holiday episode. Did we not just do this like uh, yesterday? It's almost cliche to say like time flies or I can't believe it's already time for X or Y or Z because I feel like I write that every time it's some particular season and it's I almost bore myself with saying it, but I'm just going to go with a cliche. It really is true. It feel this year really went by and yet it was kind of a hard year for us and a year of a lot of changes. So when I think back to January, it actually makes sense, but it's still really weird. I think just the older we get, the faster time seems to go. I don't know. I think, I think that's true. Can't you wait till we're 60 and we're like, oh, we're going to die soon. <laughs> yep. Uh, I went the 60 year olds listening. Yeah. The 60 year olds listening just feel really insulted because uh, that doesn't feel old to me anymore. I mean, that's still quite a ways away from me, but that sounds, I don't know. In fact, it, you can edit that out if you want people to not be offended. But for all those people who might be offended, I just literally just got a phone with a guy. Uh, he's a client. He's a friend. And he turned 59 years old yesterday. And uh, I said, you know, how old are you? And he said, oh, I feel so old. And I said, well, do you even have a six in front of your number yet? And he said, no, but this is the last year. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, then you're still really young. Like you've got a mm-hmm. lot of years left ahead of you. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, 60 is like the new 40, right? Yeah. And anytime I see somebody online talking about how they are old now because they are 30, I just want to like, you know, pat their head and say, they're there. Don't, don't be an idiot. Yeah. So, so what I'm getting from this, the, the preamble to our conversation today is that I have offended all the people over 60 and you have offended all the people mm-hmm. 30 and younger. Which I will say is a sizable part of our listenership. Because if you ever look at our demographics, it's really wide. Like we have 15 year old listeners and like 80 year old listeners. So I think we just huh. covered everybody. That's great. Um, but I, I bet we'll find a way to insult those who are in our age group before the yep. show ends. That's that's if if we do our job correctly we will yeah that's the aim that's the aim yeah okay so it's the holidays that's weird i'm glad it's here though i think that's it's i'm feeling more festive this year than i have in several years and i can't quite figure out why are you feeling kind of happy and festive or are you feeling kind of scroogey and grinchy uh, I don't know that I'm feeling either yet. We had a cold snap, and I was kind of starting to really get into the festivities. But then now, all of a sudden, we're we're having this sort of warmer weather move in. As I say, it's warmer. It's not really warm. It's probably in the 50s right now outside. Um, but it doesn't feel super Christmassy. And so mm-hmm. I'm kind of going back and forth a little bit. But I have fought for my holiday spirit. I have listened to all the things. We started mm-hmm. searching for holiday uh, movies yesterday. I am I am fighting to bring the holidays <laughs> into the holidays, as it were. Good. So yeah. I'm not really there yet, but I feel like I'm getting closer. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you'll be there. By the time this episode is out, you will probably have been there. And so will our listeners. In fact, some of our listeners might be feeling a bit of the, the downslope of like, okay, I'm all about the liturgical calendar. I'm all about this 12 days of Christmas. But how long? Really? 12 days? 
Um, and smack in the middle of that is New Year's Eve, New Year's Day in the calendar sense. And I have posted the set of questions since long, I mean, like early, early days of blogging. I think the first time I posted these questions is maybe like 2008 or something. These It's really a long time ago. And it became this annual thing for quite a few readers. And uh, that makes me all kinds of happy. This year, I'm trying something different, though. Instead of publishing them on New Year's Eve or like the day before, I'm going to go ahead and hit publish pretty much when this episode goes out, because this is our last episode before we go a little radio silent for a few weeks for the holidays. I'm going to just post them early and you guys can enjoy them whenever you want over the holidays, be it New Year's Eve, New Year's Day or the week before. Uh, So that's what we're going to talk about in this one. We're going to go over some of these questions like we did a few years ago that I completely forgot about until I looked through our archives that we have literally already done this. But that's the beauty of these questions. You can ask them every year and the answers are different. And I think it's great that you're doing this early, actually, because as I was going over this list of questions, I thought, ooh, I need a couple weeks to contemplate mm-hmm. these things uh, before I make yeah. any resolutions for 2024. So I think your timing is a spot on. Yeah, I do too, actually. I feel that way every year when I try to do these, you know, near Year's Eve, I'm kind of toast. I just want to hang out and play games or watch a movie. So I bet a lot of people feel that way. So Seth, I'm going to start with you. We've decided we're going to take this and just like pick three or so each and ask each other what they are. Listeners, I'll put these in the show notes where you can find them all totally free. This isn't like a sales pitch. This is just a thing I like to do. I'm going to ask Seth some of them. You can ask me. Um, So Seth, I will start with you. What was an unexpected joy for you this past year? Hmm. That's a great question. And it's a anytime somebody asks you a question and the respondent starts with, that's a great question, you know they have no idea how to answer. They're buying time. <laughs> yeah, they're buying time. We're just buying time. Uh, and speaking of buying mm-hmm. time, did you see the Lakers game last night? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Kyle um, can edit out silence if needed. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. I, For me, most of my joys this year were pretty expected. Uh, mm. To be honest, there's a lot of anticipation building into um, the year uh, because this was the year that we were releasing our book, The Deep Down Things, Shameless Plug. It's also the year that we moved into uh, our new house. So that was kind of mm. an expected joy. But I think if I could name one thing that was sort of an unexpected joy, um, it, you know, we, we moved out to our, our home out in Goshen and um, we've talked a lot about the third place out there, Orthodox. And um, I think one of the unexpected things is just getting to know and understand and feel the community of our really small little town and um, already getting to know people really well. We had a, a woman come over the other night and she was in her sweatpants and t-shirt and sat down on our couch and hung out with us for an hour and just talked about absolutely nothing and everything all at the same time. And um, her husband was was working late. And so she just came over and, and it, you know, uh, her husband has been amazing. He um, actually allowed Isaac, my oldest, to go deer hunting on his land. And I'm not a hunter. So Isaac nice. got a doe and uh, nice. Matt came out and, and taught him how to field dress it and then taught him how to take it home and butcher it. And um, So I think for me, the unexpected joy has been really just 
getting to know a community that is very open armed and, uh, and like wants to get to know each other. Isn't so walled off. Like we tend to be in the city. And, and I think to some degree I expected some of that, but not, I think to the extent that I've experienced it. That's a great answer. I love that. How big is your new small town? Like population wise, do you have any idea? I really don't. I mean, the the problem is, I mean, I think it's, I don't know, 1500, 2000. It's just mm-hmm. right outside of Fayetteville. It's literally, it's East Fayetteville, essentially. Right. Um, right. But there are two really big subdivisions that are sort of in the valley down there in the kind of the Goshen Valley that kind of inflate the population. So I'm not sure what the actual Goshen proper mm-hmm. uh, population is, but the area where we live, I mean, a few hundred people maybe. Uh, yeah. Within Small the town. Surrounding the area. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I love that. That's a great answer. So I want to return that question, but I want to flip it a little bit. Not an unexpected joy. I want to ask you, what was Mm -hmm. an unexpected obstacle that you (laughs) encountered this year? Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, um, gosh, it's almost like what were the unexpected obstacles, plural, but I'm not going to bore people and turn this into a therapy session. Um, Honestly, if I'm if I really think about it, this past fall, like the fall semester was quite a doozy for all five of us in our clan. And that's because all five of us just had a lot of change and change is good. And I thrive on change when I seek it out and I'm intentional about it. But change can be a, oh, it, it can throw me into my challenge zone when I'm not expecting it or I don't want it. And I think that's kind of where I sat. There were some change that I did want, like we made a big change in our boys' education. And that naturally led to some big work changes for me, uh, the teaching side of me, not what I do online. And then, so there were some changes I expected, but then some other changes regarding that that weren't expected. And I don't want to get into it because it's mostly boring and it's also just involves other people and there's no reason to. But that was just hard. Like I think changes that you don't seek out or that you have to make as an adult to be the responsible grown up in the room, even though you just really don't want to and you know you have to deal with the consequences, just stink sometime. And you can just feel the weight of that. Like, you you know, not a doubting God's goodness, but just more the like, why do good things have to be hard kind of frustration? You know, like, dang it, God, why can't hard things feel the equivalent of like eating brownies and watching a movie? It doesn't. And uh, I think on top of that, just learning how to parent an adult, a young adult child who lives a thousand miles away was just a change and not a bad one. It was time, but it feels weird and hard. And, and it's like threading a needle, learning how to be a parent of someone this age, which I know you understand and just knowing when to back off, when to still, and you know, when, when does the parenting involve saying something or not saying something? Because both have mm-hmm. their place. <laughs> All of that. So I would just say the season of growth for the second half of this year was the biggest obstacle for us this year. Yeah. Parenting a near adult or a young adult, man, boy, that is yeah. something else. I was actually thinking <laughs> about this. Tish, uh, to piggyback mm-hmm. a little bit, I was thinking about this because um, I have a couple of business partners, and those business partners probably their their budget's probably a little bit smaller. Um, 
their time and energy is like in more concentrated spurts. It's more of like a sprint. Um, you know, that, that three o'clock when the kids get home hour to like, you know, eight is pretty <laughs> like, it's like a concentrated sprint or whatever. Um, and I was thinking about them this morning because, you know, when you have older teenagers and young adults that you're parenting, it's much more expensive. Yeah. The time constraints are much, much more spread out. I mean, so instead of like, you know, three to seven or three to eight, it's like, you know, four to midnight. Oh, um, so true. Yeah. And it's not and it's not always either. So there's a piece of it that's a little bit easier because it's not like, you know, it's not every day a grind as much. Um, the drama feels much more existential. It is a mm-hmm. different season and it is so hard to remind yourself that oh, this is like fundamentally different uh, mm-hmm. than it's ever been. And, yeah. and once you realize that, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, I can make it. It, Yeah, you can make it. And it's one of those like things where it feels like God gives you the answer or the wisdom, like in the millisecond you need it. Like as the kid is talking, you're thinking, what the hell am I going to say? And then you open your mouth and you realize like, oh, here's the thing to say or not say. And that is so true about the the window of time. I, I've said this before, and it still feels true. And it feels true as my kids get older, because my near 16-year-old has joined this club of having important things that they want to talk about at 10 at night. And when you are an early bird, it makes me want to cry. I'm like, really? Really? Oh, God, give me the grace. And sometimes I'll just say, sorry, my, my shop is closed, like come back tomorrow. And I would happily give you a thoughtful answer. But right now I can't other times though, I'll, I'll be a big girl and just deal, but that's hard. Yeah. All right. Next question for you. Um, what was your biggest personal change from January to December of this past year, like past 12 months? How did you change the most personally? Man, couldn't you have asked me what my favorite color was in 2023? <laughs> you can um, add that, especially if it changed. I think <laughs> maybe that's your uh, biggest personal change. My biggest personal change is that I became a huge fan of chartreuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's not it. My biggest change, I think this year I got a lot better at saying no. Mm. Um, and basic, and uh, especially saying no to things that, um, maybe don't pay what I'm worth. And I don't mean necessarily money, although that's a piece of it. Um, But things that don't sort of pay off in ways that are worth it is probably a better way to put it right. So if uh, somebody needs me to do something for them for free and I just simply don't have the time saying no and not being afraid of letting them down, um, if somebody right. wants me to go to uh, a concert or a show or I was actually asked to go to a basketball game that I would have loved to have gone to last weekend, it was Arkansas versus Duke. It was an incredible game. Arkansas won. Sorry, Duke fans, if you're out there. Um, it would have been an incredible night, but I was exhausted. It was the week after Thanksgiving and I said no. Um, and mm-hmm. And what I found this year is that as I say no, I don't have as much FOMO. I used to have a lot of FOMO. Like if I don't help this person, then what am I missing out on? Or if I don't do this business opportunity, then what am I missing out on? Or if I don't go to this game, what am I missing out on? I think that that kind of evaporated uh, this year. And you've known me for a long time and you know, I don't always really struggle with FOMO. That's not like a 
a core thing that I say yes out of, but it is still a thing. It's still in the back of my mind. And uh, I think that kind of went away this year. I don't really feel that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I find myself being a whole lot more excited when I say no and somebody says yes, and that some somebody sort of experiences an amazing thing or has this awesome opportunity. I kind of, now I'm kind of like cheering for that person, um, mm. which is a little bit of a difference. So I think that's probably my biggest change in that's cool. uh, 2023. What do you think caused it? Exhaustion. <laughs> is the <laughs> okay. truth. Sure, I mean, fair. <laughs> the, 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 uh, best motivator for change is the inability to stand up and walk another step, right? Um, (laughs) You got to change something. So I think part of it was just exhaustion. You know, this year was the year that I, you know, I have uh, my legal practice. I have uh, a marketing firm that I'm a part of and engaged in. Um, You know, we built a house, we launched a book. There were so many things that were happening that actually required my attention um, that I simply just couldn't put anything else on my plate. And, and so I think that that being too full was the catalyst for that change. And honestly, I'm looking at ways to make myself less full, um, even than yeah. I'm already. So uh, cool. yeah, I think change is, is, is often catalyzed by um, pain. And I think that yeah. I kind of experienced some of that this year. So yeah, yeah. I get it. And that's a great question. I'm going to just turn that one right back around on you. What was your biggest area of change this year? Dang Dang it. I was kind of hoping if I asked that, that you wouldn't ask it back. Um, I know your game. There was the one that I've already mentioned, right? Becoming a parent to an adult who lives far away. That that was a change. There's some changes I feel like subtly in sort of my... I don't want to get into it, but I don't know if you would want to call it my politics, but maybe my interpretation of events in the world or um, interpretation of what I should do about said events in the world, boy, I'm being cryptic and I don't mean to be. And it's mostly because it doesn't really matter what the specifics are, but just, I think it's good sometimes to remember that we do change and change can be like, it's okay to change your mind, like where you were on a certain subject or about a particular conviction 10 years ago can change due to either increased wisdom or the world literally changes. And so you need to change with it. Or uh, I don't know, you just like other thing, other dominoes fall. And so this one just inevitably falls, whatever it is. I feel like that was different. I think another way I changed in a good way was I took a little bit more maybe personal responsibility for the things that only I can do and kind of let go of some of the things that are out of my control, meaning other people and other opinions, other whatever, you know, kind of just more fully recognizing like, oh, this is a very small uh, area around the boundaries of within my personal control. And these are the, this is the soil I can cultivate in and I can just kind of let go of that. I know I'm sounding like I'm just talking one big metaphor, but it's almost because it doesn't really matter what those are. It's just more of a life lesson of like, this is mine, that's yours. And what I can deal with, boy, I have a lot of control over. And I also shouldn't blame anyone else for things that are totally in my control. So that was a big life lesson, I think. It feels healthy. It was. It has been healthy. Yeah, it's actually good to recognize that because I didn't really realize it till I started talking. So that's good. 
Okay, that was, uh, that was a, that's a good one. I feel like uh, the therapists in the room need to be like giving you a standing ovation. I know, same. All right, good for me. Uh, next one, Seth, what were the best books you read this year? Maybe best book it, or books? Well, I'm just going to go with one because that was the question mm-hmm. and I didn't even have to think about it. Oh, so you know great. how I put off Cloud Cuckoo Land forever and ever yeah. and ever yeah, yeah. and ever. And then this year I finally, I started, actually I started a David Mitchell book that I still haven't finished that I really want to read. And then I got about two pages into the David Mitchell book and I was like, I feel, I actually felt guilty. I felt guilty mm-hmm. that I had Anthony Doerr sitting on my bedside and that I chose... David Mitchell. Yeah. David Mitchell, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You're not listening, mm-hmm. but I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so I put David down, walked away, went to the cabinet, picked out uh, Cloud Cuckoo Land and read it. And it was... I, I. It's a really interesting book to me. I've actually talked a little bit about this with, with Sean Smucker. Um, and when Collier, actually, the uh, both authors, uh, when said he couldn't get really into it because he was trying to listen to it, which I totally get. Like the format of that yep. book, did you try to listen? to That was to my it? problem. Yeah, I had to stop. And and I love. And the thing is, I didn't even really want to listen because I love Anthony Doerr's sentences so much that I just need to go back to reading it. And so this is encouragement for that. Anyway, go on. Okay, good. Yeah. So. So, uh, and, and Wynn's uh, wife, Miska, is also a huge reader, and they tried to listen to it together on a road trip, and they both were like, we can't do this, can't, can't make mm-hmm. it happen. And I totally get it. After reading it, I totally get it. Um, but I talked a little bit to Sean Smucker about it just briefly. I'm not sure that this book is for everyone, kind of in the same way All the Light We Cannot See was. Like, right. that book is just so broadly applicable to... Yeah, to the human experience and people who are interested in war and Europe and geography and mystery and all these things. Um, Cloud Cuckoo Land was fundamentally different. And in a sense, it was kind of, I thought it was kind of like his ode to books, like his love letter to yeah. books and libraries. And, um, and I absolutely loved it. There are scenes in that book that I still think about and I cannot say the same thing about All the Light, even though I would say that All the Light is probably in my top three novels of all time, and Cloud mm-hmm. Kukland is mm-hmm. not. Uh, yeah. But it was such a good read, and there are scenes in there that I still think about and that I love, and there are a couple characters in there that I, I still think about and I love. And um, and interestingly, the the characters that I love are sort of like a, a young youngish woman, youngish man pair who are sort of on opposite sides of uh, mm-hmm. warring tribes for lack of a better term. So it kind of borrowed from mm-hmm. some of those themes of all the light. Um, so anyway, there were things about that book that I, I really, really loved. And so I would say hands down for my money, that was like my best read of the year. That's really great. I've got, uh, so there's a, a listener subscriber of mine. I love her YouTube channel. She, her name's Autumn Kern. So she's listening. She puts out this thing around the end of every year. That's like how to plan for your 20, your next year's reading life, like plan your literary life. And she 
encourages different categories. And I told her the other day, I think my category is going to be books I already own because I have been guilty of the something shiny syndrome. Like I hear a new book coming out or I see one and I'm like, yes, I've always wanted to read that. I'm going to read that instead. And then I buy it and then it sits there. Anyway, that falls in that category. I think it is, this has been my impetus to finally finish this book, probably restart it because of the listening situation that you just said. So thank you for that little kick to do that in 2024. I also think it's a winter book. So I would suggest oh, nice. January 1, you start it. It doesn't feel like the same. You know, sometimes the summer books, you know, yeah. you want something a little cheekier or lighter or something. This is not yeah. that. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'll do that. Very cool. All right. What is the, what has been the most rewarding thing about your work this year? Yeah. Um, ooh, that was a good segue to what I had just mentioned. I have been really pleasantly surprised how much I have enjoyed getting to know like-minded readers and writers on Substack. And I we had a whole episode about Substack, so I'm not going to just re-say all the things we just said on that. But getting to know other writers who really are in it for the craft of writing and then readers who leave really thoughtful comments and go back and forth with each other and seem to just find each other. I don't know what it is about the platform that helps people find one another in a way that, and maybe it's just sort of that by nature of what Substack is, it's a little bit of the um, anti-social media spot on the internet. So maybe it just naturally attracts that crowd, but it has been just enjoyable. I would say I probably have gotten to know, I mean, know in an internet kind of way, probably 10 writers that I didn't know existed this time last year. And that has been so enjoyable to me to where I actually feel that rekindled love of kind of short-term writing where, you know, you publish something in a week and you look forward to the interaction. That to me feels like old school blogging in all the right ways. So that has been probably my favorite thing about my work this year. And I feel like you can relate to that a bit. Yeah, I can't agree with you more uh, about the platform in general. We've talked about it a lot. We continue to talk about it a lot. I think there are some things that I, I'd really love to sit down and have a roundtable with the people at Substack, whether mm-hmm. for a podcast or otherwise. I think there are some things that I'm noticing that I, I wish would change. Um, yeah. So there is some there is some saturation that's happening that makes it difficult yeah. to navigate. And, and there needs to be some better ways to navigate, I think. Um, whether that's through like subgenres or something like that, but um, but all that to say, as a general rule, you are exactly right. The way that platform operates makes it really easy to connect and um, and get to know people, and doesn't necessarily make it easy to grow, but it makes it easy to connect. And I think that that's you know something that we we kind of had a dead period after the the blog cycle crashed and went into social yeah. media. Nobody was really connecting over the writing on Facebook. Not really. No. No. Uh, so you're right. And I, and I will say you should feel, in particular, uh, very pleased and rewarded in your own Substack journey because you've done great things this year. It's been really great to watch. So Thank you, you. you know what yeah. you're doing. Oh, well, thanks. It's been fun. And I think that's one of the nice things about this kind of platform. And not even I don't mean platform specifically like proper noun Substack. I mean, just kind of more the platform of writing on the internet where there's lots of ways to do it, right? So the way I'm doing it, it works for me, maybe next year, I'll be doing it differently. And different people do it different ways. And I just love that. So 
hooray for finding kindred spirits on the internet. That this, That's the way where I feel like the internet shines, you know, when you can back away from the vitriol. So yeah, it's been a good year in that regard. Well, I think that was three each already. That went by really fast. So therefore, we're going to wind this down and say a fond farewell to 2023 with how we do every episode. And that's uh, talking about what's adding more beauty, goodness, truth to our lives. So Seth, what are you enjoying these days? This is, uh, I got, I got kind of, kind of set the scene a little bit for whatever reason I had in the bleak midwinter stuck in my head the other day. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know what? I want to go watch that Peaky Blinders scene on YouTube. Uh, Just that one scene about in the bleak midwinter, which is like super dark. So I don't necessarily suggest anyone (laughs) go watch that unless you're just like super dark or whatever. And you have that penchant running through you. Um, But at the end of that scene, uh, there's a song called All My Tears, and it, it is sung by, I guess it's Anna, A-N-E, Brun, B-R-U-N. But the original artist was Julie Miller. I don't know if you remember Julie Miller, but Julie Miller was a yeah. Christian artist when she was younger, back in the like 90s. And then huh. she like disappeared off the face of the earth. She married Buddy Miller, and... uh who was like this like kind of Nashville producer player head, you know, just, I don't know. Um, amazing. And then she just like reemerged and all of a sudden she was like singing with Emily Harris and Patty Griffin. Oh, wow. Anyway, she released this album and I think it was when I was maybe in law school and it had the song on all my tears and it's this beautiful piece of writing. Um, and I had completely forgotten about the song until I heard, Bruin's version of it. And I've just been listening to it over and over again. In fact, I put it on my last two Instagram posts. That's how much I like this song that I kind of thought this like sort of captures something about this season and my region. And so that's the thing that's bringing me beauty and I keep listening to it. I can't stop. So everybody go listen to that song. I love it. That's great. I, uh, Vaguely remember her name, but I don't fully remember it. So I'll go look it up after we're done here. I think she did some, I don't know. There's some kitschy song that she did back in the 90s. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan, but then when she kind of reemerged in this like Griffin Harris network, I was like, oh, wait a second. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Yeah, so sounds anyway, up your alley. Uh, That's cool. Everyone go listen to Bryn and Miller and enjoy yourselves. What are you listening to, reading, watching, experiencing that's bringing more beauty to your life, Tish. It's funny that you bring up what you did because there's something in the water. I have been deep diving this one band. I actually texted you about them that a friend of mine from our parish connected me to. She said, this is a local band. I feel like you would like them. In fact, they would probably be a great guest on the show. So hopefully we'll have them. Super fun and interesting people. Do you want me to introduce you? And I said, yes, please. So we talked over uh, text and then he sent me some of his music and it is delightful. So this band is called Blue Water Highway. They are on YouTube and Spotify and all the places. And um, so they're easy to find on the internet, but I have been playing them on repeat since my friend told me about them and they are right up my alley. They're that nice. It kind of sounds like of a similar a similar genre of what you were just talking about. Kind of this rockish, folkish, contemplative, ev- but also some fun songs peppered in there. And they're just really good. And there's a particular song, their latest one, I think, that just came out called Old School. And it's really good. And he says on their website that it's um, an homage to his dad, who is a police officer, and just the dedication of showing up to work again and again and again. And that kind of work ethic is 
old school. And anyway, it's really good. It just just good music. I don't know how else to describe it other than just good. So hopefully we'll have them on the show just because they're fun to talk to. And I want to go see them live because they play all over Texas. And so if you're local to me, it looks like I'm on their website right now and all throughout uh, the first of the year, it's some good stuff on their horizon. So anyway, they seem great. And um, yeah, so thumbs up for Blue Water Highway so far. I like it. I'll be uh, I'll be listening uh, over the break. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, I'm grateful for this little spot and this uh group of listeners we have and so thank you guys for hanging out with us again this year we will join you again in the new year after a couple weeks off for the holidays so merry christmas happy holidays happy new year and all that good stuff we'll be with you again soon so i'm tish oxenrider with seth haynes you can find all our episodes at a drink with where you can also as always help support the show by picking up the next round of drinks because remember the show is free for you to listen to but it's not free for us to make you can find me and all my stuff at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, where can people find you? They can find me at sethhaines.com and then always go from there to Substack. That's where I spend all of my time now. Yep. Same with me. And for all of this, all the links and everything we mentioned, just go to the show notes of this particular episode. Kevin McLeod did the music. Kyle Oxenwriter did the editing. Seth and I did the talking. And we will be back with you again soon. In the meantime, thanks for being here and happy holidays.